Well, hello, Trinity Church. Just uh, wonderful to be with you today. My name is Bill Bourne. I'm the worship pastor here at Trinity. And I'm here today with the privilege to speak because our senior pastor, Todd Arnett, is away with his family, just enjoying this weekend together down at the beach. So uh, he'll be back with us next Sunday to continue uh, in our series. So um, what I, uh, I want to apologize. I'm wearing my hat this morning because this is my shade, okay? So if, if I'm a little incognito, uh, that's why, because I'm losing the tree right now. But um, I, I just want to tell you something. I'm tired of bad news. Is anybody tired of bad news? Okay, <laughs> amen to that. I, I got to tell you that uh, this year, it's just kind of, you know, we keep like shaking our heads. Could, could we get anything? It couldn't get worse. And I don't even, I don't want to ask that question. Okay, you're right. I'm, I'm going to not say that. I remember um, back in September, when those fires started burning up in our hills, and every, every night we were, you know, this is the second fire that hit, hit us. Every night we're just watching those flames destroy. And every day we're seeing the smoke and knowing that's exactly what's happening. And we've got over 500 firefighters from around the country who have come to defend these communities, and they did an incredible job. But there was this sense, yes, amen to that. But there was this sense in watching the fires of, of just it's out of control and there's nothing we can do to stop it. It had to just burn out its time. And how long is it going to take to do that? And there, there was a sense. I mean, it was over three weeks that we had to just keep seeing the mountain wake up on a Friday morning and we get news that Los Rios up in Oak Glen had burnt down. They had escaped two fires and then due to some malfunction, Los Rios burnt. And I gotta tell you something, for my wife and I, that was it. We were like, can it, can it get worse, God? What is going on? We love the Riley family that runs that operation. We have great memories with our family in that building that burnt, and it just felt like insult. And that's what this year has felt like to me, and I know to a lot of us. You take that and it's like, this, it's like this metaphor, the fire of what's going on in our world with COVID, isn't it? Like, is it ever gonna burn out? I keep watching the numbers and they start cre increasing back up and I'm thinking, what's gonna happen this winter? Are we ever gonna be able to gather again inside this building and worship as we used to worship? And then you look at the political scene in our country, my word, that's bad news. You think about the election and what in the world's going to happen, no matter which way the election goes, what's going to happen after the election? And then you look at church families going through struggles and strife, and, and you look into your own family, and I was sitting outside working on something and I heard some guy walking and talking on the phone yesterday, walking down the street and his marriage was crumbling and he was just, just bearing his heart. He's like, after 28 years, I can't believe this is happening. That's happening in our homes too, isn't it? And kids, 
chaos in families, the division, even over some of the issues in this, this world that are happening. So we're tired of bad news. I have good news for you today. <laughs> All right, we get to look at the good news today. And that good news is in the word of God. And so we're in the midst of this series called Armed. We're looking at the spiritual battle and we're called to stand firm in the battle. And today we get to look at the armor that we're called to put on that is the armor of good news, the gospel of peace. And so can I just pray before we start? Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so, we are so needy for a message of peace and for the reality of peace in our lives. Lord, we thank you that, there, that you have given us this, not only this answer, but this armor to put on in the battle called the gospel of peace. I pray that we would be hearers of your word, that nothing would get in the way of, of us hearing what you have to say to us through your word today, that we would also let it hit our hearts and that we would be doers of your word coming out of this today. And so we pray, God, that you would be glorified in this, in this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pick up where, we, uh, where we've been in Ephesians 5. We're in uh, verse 10. This is the end of the, of the letter that Ephesians, that Paul wrote to the Ephesian Christians. And we've been looking at this, this spiritual battle that, that Paul's telling people. It's the last thing he tells all of the believers is you're in a battle. And so we're, we've been looking at that. Let's pick up verse 10. I encourage you this morning, if you have a Bible, you're going to want to follow along because we're going to be covering a lot of ground, mainly in Ephesians and it's fun to see the context around some of the verses I'm going to be looking at with you this morning. But we're, here's Ephesians 5.10. It is on your screen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power and put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers and authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So today we're looking at this third piece of armor and it's the shoes, right? We're, 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 we're gearing up for battle. We're putting on these these. Uh, these pieces of armor, and today we're looking at the shoes, but I want you to notice something really important. Shoes aren't listed in our translation. If you're looking at the NIV translation, he does not mention shoes. He, um, 
he implies that, that we're talking about shoes, but I think it's because of this. What Paul is telling us is to assume a certain stance in the battle. And, and he, says, he says we're to be fitted with readiness. But what causes that readiness? It comes from the gospel of peace. So to reverse those, that phrase, he's saying the gospel of peace is what, when you put that on, it's, it, you, you also need to be ready for something. And so we're going to spend the end of our time today thinking about what does he mean by readiness? Because that stance is really important. But before we get to that, we really need to consider what is the gospel of peace? When I grew up, I grew up in the church. I heard the word gospel a lot. And I believed the gospel. I, was, I gave my life to Christ as a kid. I was baptized in high school. And I went to a Christian college and I sat in my first class and they said, what's the gospel? And I couldn't answer it. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I don't know. I just did, couldn't explain what it was. And um, I, have, I, I have good news for you today. You ready for it? The gospel means good news. That's the meaning of the word. The word in the original Greek is a word that has the idea of it not only good news, but exceptionally awesome good news. It is the, the, best, the, the best kind of good news that there could possibly be. And the way that the culture at the time, the Greek culture, the Roman culture, the people who are hearing this message from Paul, they knew that the good news was almost always an announcement of victory that would bring peace. The good news was victory in a battle. And it's this person, the picture is this person running from the front lines back to the king or to the city and saying, the battle has been won. We are going to have peace. That's the context of good news. And that's the good news we're looking at today. So here's the good news. Are you ready? The battle has been won by Jesus. The battle has been won by Jesus. What are we talking about? Spiritual battle. Here's the good news. The battle has been won. The enemy has already been defeated. That's the good news. And so when, when we think about the gospel in your notes today, the, the easiest way to think about the gospel is this. The gospel is the good news about Jesus. I won't get it wrong if someone asks me again. The gospel is the good news about Jesus. But here's why I got it wrong. Because the gospel is like a diamond. We get to look at a diamond today. Jesus is that diamond of, of the utmost worth and beauty. But we can look at it at all its different angles, can't we? And when we look up close and we look from this angle, it looks very different than when we look from this angle. And it just makes it more magnificent when we, when we go in with that microscope. That's what we get to do today. Is anybody excited to, to like see, hear this good news and look at it today? So here's the, the first question I'd like us to answer. What is the gospel of peace exactly? And here's the more important one. How do I put it on? 
You see, Paul is talking to Ephesian Christians who have already put it on. They've already believed this message of Jesus called the gospel. So this is really important. And what we're going to do is we're going to go pretty quickly through Ephesians 2 because this is where Paul really starts right from the top of Ephesians with the gospel. But we're going to look at Ephesians 2. And maybe I'll go back and we'll look at Ephesians 1. But here it is, Ephesians 2, picking up at verse 1. As for you, Ephesians, believers on the lawn and online today, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Whoa. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us. All of us used to live, they, we also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, all humanity, like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. Okay, is that good news? No, no, we're going to get there. But Paul starts reminding these believers um, why the good news is good news. Um, if I was to call you tonight and I was to say, the Dodgers won the semifinals, they're going to the World Series. Unless that was something you knew about and you're following baseball and you'd heard about it, it's not that good news. Now, if you're a Dodger fan, it's great news or if you do not like the Braves at all, that's good news too, right? <laughs> so um, good news always is good because we've heard the bad news. We know the bad news, and we know it, don't we? We see the lack of peace in our world, in our own lives. And so here's the good news. Well, first of all, the bad news, you guys, is that we are on the wrong side. Apart from the gospel, apart from Jesus, we are actually on the enemy's side. That's what Paul's saying. Look at it. He says that we follow the ways of the world. We're actually following that ruler. That ruler that is our enemy, that is his enemy. That's who we're following. He says, how do, what does that look like? Gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. You guys, not even its desires. Isn't that crazy he threw in thoughts? I think the most of my sin life is lived out in thoughts. And I realize, oh my word, I shouldn't think that about that person. None of you. None of you. Okay. Um, and it is in my actions. Those thoughts breed sinful actions. But you guys, we are enemies of, G of Jesus unless we're on his side. And that sounds really like we don't like, I don't like to feel like I don't like the sound of that. Nobody wants to be told you're an enemy, but we know, you and I know, that our sin at its ugliest is offensive. It's offensive to the people that come in contact with it. And it's offensive to God. We're his enemy. But here's the good news. Look at verse four of chapter two. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, 
even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Whose side are we on now? We're on his side. In order that in the coming ages, he might show us the incomparable, the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It is not by works so that no one can boast. So there's the good news is God has done through Jesus what was necessary to get us from being his enemy to being on his side. And that's how we have peace. You guys, if we are, in, if, if we are enemies of God, we are not gonna have peace. The people in this world who are not on God's side are not gonna have peace. And that's why this is a critical message of good news is that you can have peace. You don't have to be God's enemy anymore. You guys, um, Paul says it even more drastically in Colossians when he's talking about the gospel. He says this, he says, through Jesus, you have been brought out of the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son he loves. That God through Jesus makes this transfer out of the enemy's side onto Jesus' side. Isn't that good news? God did it. God does it. So how does this rescue, how does it happen? If you look back with me, it's on the screen in Ephesians 1, because remember, Paul's talking about the gospel there too. Ephesians 1 verse 13. This is beautiful, and it's very, very important for all of us who are hearing today. This is how we put on the gospel of peace. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The idea of a seal is it cannot be broken. The transfer is done. The transfer of citizenship, done. You are not on the enemy's side anymore. You're on God's side. You're in his kingdom. We could talk about this a lot more by even going to Romans 5. I'm going to move past that just to make it to the end of the sermon before lunch. But I encourage you, take a look at Romans 5. It's unbelievable. It talks about how we were enemies, but that's how God demonstrates his love for us. And I, I want you to hear this. Even if you're on this side today and you realize, I don't know if I'm on Jesus' side, while you may be an enemy, his enemy, God loves his enemies. God loves his enemies. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you, to rescue you, to redeem you, to reconcile you as an enemy to himself now as a friend. And even more than that, as a son or a daughter, as one whom he's going to give his complete inheritance. That's how God loves you. So God is not your enemy. He is the lover of enemies that has is, is it provided the rescue for them, for us. That is good news. And I want to tell you, if, if you find yourself in that news, you're even, you're questioning, I don't know whose side I'm on. Um, I want to encourage you today that 
you, once you hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, it just says you believe it. That's what transfers us. It's this simple act, not of working, right? It's not a result of works, Paul said. It's simply believing Jesus is who he says he is. He did what he said he did. And so I want to encourage you, you can do that now. You can pray with some of our prayer team after the service or with someone you came with today. There's going to be a time of prayer at the end. You can pray right there with someone who's with you. Or if you're online, you can just hit that prayer button and somebody from our prayer team will reach out to you. It's the most important decision. You have to put on the, the, the piece of the gospel for the rest of this to make any sense. And so we start with that. So when I put my faith in Jesus, I become part of God's new kingdom, meaning I have peace with God now. I'm no longer his enemy. And now, along with the rest of you, we get to be together. God's doing something way bigger than just me or you. And that's what we get to look at in, in the rest of Ephesians 2. So here's the second point. The first point is we need to transfer our citizenship. The second point is we need to embrace our fellow citizens because God is up to something really big. And that's part of the good news. Paul's talking about, as he continues in Ephesians 2, that there's been this divide of hostility between people groups in the world. In fact, the main people groups, it represents hostility between all nations and peoples that we always think we're better than somebody else. We compare ourselves, and that's why we think we're not enemies of God. I'm better than that person. But no, we're all enemies. But God says there's this, there's this hostility that exists between people, and I have demolished it. That's the good news, that we not only can have peace with God, we now get to have peace with each other because of what God's doing. So take a look. We're going to pick up in Ephesians 2, verse 14. Count how many times you hear the word peace. For he himself is our peace. Say it with me when we get to it. Who has made us the two groups one and he destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting it aside in his flesh, the law with its commands and its regulations. Works, set aside, you can't earn your way to God. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who are near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Now there's a lot that could be uncovered in, in what's happening there, but I wanted you to recognize that when, when Paul's thinking about the gospel of peace, I think in this context, he is really thinking about what God did on the horizontal level. Yes, he, the peace with God is, is how it starts, but peace with each other is what God has also accomplished through the gospel. And that's like really important for our world to hear today, is that the gospel is the answer to peace, not only here, which is where it starts, 
to have peace with others. So I want you to look at how Paul continues. Um, it's, it's not in, the, in your notes, but I just want you to listen to how he starts the next verse. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So we're not only transferring our citizenship, right? We're not only transferring our citizenship, we are also now members of his household. Do you know what that means that we are? If we're a member of a household, what are we? We're family. And that's how Paul starts this whole thing. In the very beginning of, of Ephesians, he says, we've been blessed with every blessing where? In the, in the heavenly realms. He's focused on the spiritual battle right out of the gates. He says, in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, as sons and daughters, and that it was according to the pleasure of his will, and that it happened through the payment of the cross of Jesus. So we are family. So peace this way really matters. And God did what it takes through the gospel through the cross. He divided that hostility. Is that awesome? And yet, isn't family where we feel that hostility, where it lingers the most? I'm just going to go right to our, our nuclear families, right? Or our extended families. Isn't that where we feel that hostility sometimes? Especially in this day and age? Whether it's husbands and wives or kids and parents or, or extended family. But what Paul's talking about here is the household of faith. It's us as his church and as churches all around the world. We're going to feel that hostility, and I think that we're going to look ahead that this battle is always going to try to bring that hostility back. That's the enemy. He's going to try to make us forget that God has brought us peace with each other, that we are family. So that was a little bit of a spoiler alert. So, now that we're part of this humanity that Jesus has created, this one group of people, um, I want to remind you that, G that Paul's really emphasizing this for the latter half of Ephesians 4 through 6. In fact, he starts with chapter 4 saying, I urge you therefore to live worthy of your calling. What's our calling? To be completely humble and gentle, to be patient, to bear with one another in love. Why? Because there's one body and there's one spirit. Just as you've been called to the one hope that belongs to your calling, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, who is through all and in all. You think Paul's trying to get that point across? And then he's going to spend the rest of four and five talking about two battlefields where the enemy's going to try to bring hostility back or he's going to try to stop the gospel of peace from taking full effect. And those two battlefields are what? The household of faith, the church. And then in, in chapter five, our households. He's going to talk to husbands and wives and children and parents. 
That's what is going on. So how do we stand firm together? This is the answer that we've been waiting for. We assume a posture of readiness. That's in your notes. How do we stand firm together with our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from this gospel of peace? We assume a posture of readiness. And I actually, as I've studied this, I think the word stance is better because you can picture people in, in, in battle standing in a certain stance together and it's, it's a stance of readiness. And that's what I wanna spend the rest of our time thinking about is what does that stance of readiness look like? Um, the question that comes to my mind right away is ready for what? What am I supposed to be ready for? And I think if we look back two verses to 6.13, Ephesians 6.13, um, we are told to put on the full armor of God that's on your screen so that when the day of evil comes, I think we're supposed to be ready for the day of evil when it comes. Does anybody think maybe it's come? Maybe we're living in the day of evil. Well, Paul in chapter five says the days are evil, right? He says, make every opportunity the best use of your time because the days are evil. So I don't think there's a question here. I really think what Paul's saying is the day of evil is every time you get an onslaught from the enemy. Every time next week, I think he shoots that arrow, right? That flaming arrow, that's the day of evil. And we have to recognize that he's trying, the enemy is, is coming against us. That's when we have to stand firm with the readiness is for that day. Does that make sense? You guys, here's my thought about that as I've thought about it. We just said we can identify that we are all peace challenged in this world and that, the, that even when we look at these two battlefields of the home, the, the nuclear family or extended family, and we look at the household of faith, the church, those are the biggest places that enemy is going to try to direct his arrows, except for the first one also, right? Peace with God. What destroys peace with God for a believer? What can destroy peace with God? Sin. When I sin, it's my fault. I've just destroyed this peace that God and Jesus and his son died on the cross to create. Now, can I be separated from him because of that? No, because he gave me his seal, but it definitely destroys that peace. And I have to confess my sins. And then he's faithful and just to forgive us my, our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we got to make sure this is good. But now we're looking at this. And I want to tell you something. I don't think that we look like this, my sister and I, if I'm having a conflict with her. I don't think that we look like that. We're not ready for that day of evil if I'm starting to see her as my enemy. She's not my enemy. Even people who are enemies of God are not my enemies because I'm, to I'm told to treat them the same way God treats them, which is as beloved friends, as people, not friends. He treats them as people that he wants on his side. So when, when I'm having a problem, a conflict, and I'm not moving towards resolution, because I'm going to have conflicts with people in my family. Isn't that where we get trained? I have four kids. I have a wife. That's the hardest place for me, the place I see my sin the most vividly 
is in my family. It's where God trains us in what it looks like to have peace with each other and peace with him. So I just want to say this, that God gives us two battle strategies. We're going to look at them coming up. One is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We have to go to the word when we're having conflict in the battle. And we have to let what God says be what begins to solve that. And then we have to also engage the final strategy, which we're going to talk about at the very end, after thanks, before Thanksgiving, is prayer. He says over and over, pray, pray, pray. Those are, that's, that's our weapon and our strategy when there's conflict and the enemy's coming against us. So, in Romans 12, 18, this has been a, a life verse of mine. Paul says, be at peace with one another. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, he says. Live at peace with everyone. And uh, Paul, in Ephesians 4, verse 31, this is on the screen, says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Good news, right? So he uses the gospel as the example of how we're to forgive one another. Going on, follow God's example, verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us, and he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Again, Paul brings the gospel in as our model of how to walk in love towards each other. So this is super important to God, isn't it? The gospel of peace really is given for these relationships with each other as much as it's given for our relationship with God. I'd like to close thinking about this question that really started hitting my heart as I was studying this. Why aren't we called to advance in the fight? It seems kind of, it's like not an action thriller to stand firm, is it? It's, why are we called to just stand firm, stand our ground? Instead of take the enemy on, you guys, you got Jesus on your side. And I think the reason is because the battle is already won. We don't need to fight the enemy. We need to stand firm in the gospel, which is that God fought and won. Death was defeated. Sin was forgiven. We stand in that reality together, and that's what readiness looks like. And the, and the, the enemy is going to try to push us back, and that's why we have to have a stance of readiness for that pushback. We got to be like, you are not pushing me back. I am standing firm. Together, we are standing firm in the gospel of peace. And here's the last thing that I am certain, and scholars are certain that Paul was thinking about, he knew the Old Testament. Todd and Hilke have both showed us that the, all these armor of God are armor that, that was attributed to the Messiah coming to fight his battle wearing. But the gospel of peace is not attributed to the Messiah wearing, but it is attributed to the news that we get to proclaim. And this is in Isaiah 52, verse 7. And it's, it's obvious 
that, that Paul was thinking and meditating on Isaiah as he wrote these, these words to us. Because feet is in that passage, good news is in that passage, and peace is in that passage. Listen to what Isaiah says. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. The battle has been won. And so we, we end with this sense that not only are we called to have this readiness, this posture of readiness, but we need to accept our mission. We need to accept our mission. You guys, the plan of God is to add people from every tribe and tongue and nation to this group. He's not done with me. He is on the move. Jesus is moving towards the lost people that he came to seek and save. And so what is my role? That's my mission. And I want to think about that because I think this is really exciting. So at Trinity Church, we have tried to capture the mission of Jesus with this concept of being rooted in Christ, which is, we're on his side, and reaching your world. And I want to think about that as we close. And um, it's, it's easy to be like, well, what exactly, how do I reach and what role does God have in it? Well, I want to tell you what role he has in it. And that's what makes it doable and exciting to me. And that's why I think our mission is, is critical in, in regards to this ready, posture of readiness. And I want you to picture this tree on the lawn over here. This tree is standing firm. You agree? Why? Roots deeply embedded in the ground, getting nourishment from the ground, nourishment from the water, and it's growing. Maybe we should add that to our mission. We need to be rooted in Jesus and growing, <laughs> right? But if we're rooted, we are going to be growing. I like to think of this not as a, as a um, sycamore tree, but rather as a fruit-bearing tree, okay? Let's picture that. And now let's st stack as many trees on this lawn as there are people here today. So our roots are all what? They're all intertwined. That's going to help us stand even more firm against the, the, the battle of the wind or whatever, the, the elements, right? Here's the beautiful picture of, of this image as I was thinking about this standing firm posture is the battle advances. Jesus wins one new tree at a time. As he's adding people from every tribe and tongue and nation as, as the number of people on his side, as he's rescuing people out of darkness into his side, that we are advancing. So we're standing firm and we're just locking arms with more and more and more people. And every person that is plucked out of darkness into light is a reminder to the enemy that you have lost the battle. That's the battle plan for this time in history for his church. As we wait for his return, that is our battle plan. We have to accept our mission. And the joy of our mission is that we get to do it together. The other thing 
is I was looking at this. The scripture says we are in Christ. So when I'm reaching for the people in my world, the people I'm closest to, who's reaching if I'm in Christ? I'm in him. He's on the move. He's reaching. And I'm just going with him because I'm rooted in him. And I'm growing in him. And we're moving together because it's not just a me thing. It's us accepting our mission together. I've got two resources for you. I just um, want to tell you something. Being a announcer of the good news, here's what inspires us to announce it. We have to love it. Jesus has to be that diamond to us that we want to show the, the majesty and the beauty of Christ and it creates worship and awe and wonder in our life. So we got to know the gospel and we have to love Jesus. And there are two, there's a two documentaries that I watched recently. I'm just going to recommend them to you. It's called The American Gospel. The first one came out in 18. The last one came out in 19. You guys, this is the most clear presentation of the gospel and it has done in a way that it's refuting false gospels. Do you think the enemy is gonna try to change the gospel piece to something else? To try to confuse the plan of God? So I encourage you, go watch these online. You can go to their website. You can watch them for free. You can buy them. Um, they're a wonderful resource to just make it clear and to, to bring motivation of, oh my word, this is the beauty that I get to announce to people as God is moving towards them. The last thing is the, um, the, the book, God Space. We've talked about that book before. It's short, really simple, and here's what it does. It teaches us how to listen to people and love people. Bottom line, that's what it's teaching. Because if God is on the move, if it's not me, that I'm trying to break down doors. I'm not, I'm called to stand firm and move with God. God is on the move in the people around us. How are we gonna see it if we're not observant? And so in Colossians, Paul says, be watchful and thankful. Watch for God at work in people's lives and be ready. Be ready to share this good news. And so God's face is a way, in my opinion, that opens up doors and conversations to see how God is moving in people's lives. And I recommend that resource. So we accept our mission. We stand firm with this and we get to speak out as God opens that door and he's moving towards people. We get to move with him. And that's our mission here at Trinity Church. It's the mission of the church. However church tries to say it, that is God's great commission. And we get to be a part of that, and it's so awesome. So, in conclusion, the gospel is God's solution to all people's um, problem with peace, right? <laughs> when they're not experiencing peace, the gospel is the solution to all people. So peace with God is accomplished through Jesus on the cross. We are no longer his enemies. We are his, friend, his fellow citizens. We are his friends. We are his family. And then peace with each other is also established. 
the, by the gospel of peace. We enter his kingdom with each other. And then God gives us all these resources, his Holy Spirit, all these pieces of armor to stand firm in together. And the kingdom advances as it grows. We just stand firm with a posture of readiness. And that is, we have peace to offer to people who desperately need peace. And that's in the gospel that we get to be the beautiful feet that bring that news to others. That's the Lord's battle plan for this time in history. We're not called to go on the advance. We're called to stand firm and let Jesus keep accomplishing what he is doing in this world. We're going to close our time as we have in this series, just praying about these pieces of armor. There's just going to be some time Chris is going to play underneath. You can pray about this alone, or you can pr pray with some of the people that you're with. But I encourage you, take some time and just ask God to do what he's doing and for us to just receive and be with him in this. Whatever step he's asking you to take, maybe he's revealing that to you today. And then the band is going to lead us in a closing song.